0: Bottom line is if you have an organization of people who are excited about being part of what you're doing, that buys you an awful lot of goodwill. People are gonna stick around a long time.
1: Have you seen some uncoachable leaders in your time? Oh yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, absolutely. And I usually fire them, you know, I mean, pretty quickly. I'd
1: love your opinion, Steve, on where we're headed as as the world with machine (laughs) learning and AI. It's
0: intuitively obvious that AI gives people a lot of power very quickly and we intuit. I think accurately as humans, that that's not a good thing that that gets abused very quickly.
1: Today, we are in excellent company with my friend, Steve Little. Steve Little, when I saw you were on my calendar today to be interviewed, I was like, I'm excited because there's so much uh, wealth of knowledge that you have. Why don't I give you a, a moment to sort of introduce yourself to everyone in your background?
0: Well, okay. Well, thank you very much, Casey. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I guess uh, from a standpoint of business, that seems to be the the principal topic here. I've had a lot of success in my career. I've uh, started my first business when I was 13 and uh, sold it when I was 15 for back in 1973 for about a quarter of a million dollars. So that's a couple million dollars in today's money. (laughs) And you know, it's really interesting, I, I learned something in that experience, and I, the reason I start my story there is that I I couldn't have articulated what I learned, but I took that learning and I carried it with me going forward uh, throughout my time in college and then afterwards uh, in business. Uh, long and short of it is I built six different software companies and took them each to nine figure exits and you know sort of applying and reapplying that same set of principles over and over and over again. and you know, it worked for me. I ended up out in the, in the Washington, I mean, the San Francisco Bay area, working with a bunch of top tier venture people out there, uh, working in their portfolio companies, helping them, you know, generate high rates of return. You know, it was sort of like turnaround work, but not really. I mean, these were healthy companies. They just wanted to accelerate the value, the realization of the companies and, um, earned a pretty good reputation, uh, for doing that and retired six or seven times and sort of found myself, uh, you know, back in my, my ranch in Virginia. Um, a friend of mine called up and said, Hey, you know, you know, a lot of stuff people want to know. I bet if we just put up a LinkedIn page, you get people to schedule appointments with you. And I said, look, as long as all I have to do is show up, that's fine by me. You know, you can ask me anything you want, but don't ask me to build websites and make videos. And I'm not doing any of that. So he did. He wrote, wrote a LinkedIn page. It's the one that's up there now, as a matter of fact. And, and uh, it offered uh, an hour of my time. Uh, it charged between $1,500 and 2500 depending. And I ended up, you know, booked six or seven hours a week, you know, just answering tough questions for people. And I, I was thinking, man, it's pretty nice. I'm sitting out on my porch, <laughs> making pretty good money after a pretty good career. And man, it's not bad. So I thought I was done, but uh, uh, during a meditation one morning, the universe let me know that I was not done, that, that my job now was to replicate my knowledge and and help mm. other people accomplish the kinds of things that I'd accomplished. So long and the short of it, I started uh, taking those conversations I was having with all those small and middle market companies, and I turned them into a process that uh, ultimately became the foundation of my investment bank i I own and operate a boutique investment bank called zero limits ventures through that we help business owners accelerate the value of their business and position themselves for high return exits in the future and then along the way we meet a lot of really great people and have a lot of fun and and uh, you know we feel like uh, i feel passionate about helping business owners get what they deserve i mean i think the entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. in this world i mean i I respect the big businesses, but they're not the ones driving the economy. It's the entrepreneurial economy that drives the business, but drives the country. And I feel like, you know, I want to make sure those people get what they deserve because they're making the sacrifices. They're taking the risks they're, you know, they're the ones missing Christmas morning or birthdays or thanksgivings or holidays or, you know, uh, afternoon soccer games with the kids or whatever, you know, that's the, that's the price they're paying you know, to really uh, offer the kind of services and products that they they innovate. And and I feel strongly that that's a a really important thing in our economy. Then over time, um, you know, sort of the last chapter was I I had an epiphany one day that, you know, um, I just don't think that we can solve uh, the problems that plague humanity, be it, you know, plastic in the ocean or uh, homeless people or starving people or people with no water, whatever, disease, whatever you call it, poverty. I don't think we can solve those problems with charitable giving alone. I think everybody should give, don't get me wrong. There's a reason the tithe is in the book. But I also think that what we need are businesses that build sustainable solutions. So sustainable businesses building sustainable solutions to the problems that, that plague us. And I think that's the way to solve this problem. And so that's uh, pivoted what I was doing just a little bit to really get focused on that. Now, when a company comes to work with me, if they don't have an impact mission, if not committed to giving back or doing something significant in the world, but when we start, they're going to when we finish.
1: (laughs) What an amazing journey you've been on. So something you said, and I'm curious, based on where you are today, Steve, so now you've dedicated your life to helping entrepreneurs, business owners go to market, if you will, and get the most value possible. What's the most common question? Cause I, when you were sitting on your back porch and you were just doing oh. the per hour and you hadn't even put the full processes together as you've right. done today. What was the most common question you would receive?
0: I think it was because the, it was sort of baited. It was contextualized by the content of the, of the LinkedIn page. So it's a little bit of a, a trick. People wanted to know how to drive value to their business. They okay. want to know how to maximize the value of their enterprise. And what was fascinating about that is I I started out just asking a couple of questions. Like the first question I would ask is, what's your exit strategy? And you might be amazed, but almost none of them had an exit strategy. They had an idea about an exit, you know, like we're going to grow and someone's going to buy us or, you know, well, we'd like to take it public someday. Or I'm going to give it to my kids or, you know, something like that. Um... But not a strategy. And, you know, that would be my replies. That's very interesting and noble, but not a strategy. I'm looking for a strategy. And I think this is one of those things I learned uh, as a young man, not realizing that that's what I was doing, is I was implementing exit strategies to the businesses I was building, right? And and in order to generate an exit strategy, you have to know, you know, what people are going to value, what the buyer cares about. Just like a product, if you go out to sell a product, you got to find out who's the market for my product and what do they want to see, what do they want to experience, what do they want to know before they buy. You know, and your job is to give them that information so they can make a decision to buy your product. So um, I would ask the question, do you know what's driving the value of your business? And this one really surprised me. Basically, nobody did. Everybody thought that EBITDA, revenue and EBITDA, were the drivers of value, it, And I think that's because um, we have this calculation called valuation, which is based on revenue and EBITDA and people think that that's what it means is that, well, I'm going to do this calculation. I have this number called evaluation and that's what my business is worth. It's really important to understand that that's not what your business is worth. That is a a marker of fair market, but it's not actually what it's worth. What it's worth is the accumulative effect of, of lots of other factors, people, processes intellectual property both formal and informal uh you know the markets all these other factors uh, so I made it to, as part of what I took out of these interviews early on as I I created this process which evaluates 24 different factors so it's my contention in the market that in order to maximize the potential of your business you need to understand where you are in the value dynamic of all 24 drivers
1: it's gotta be incredibly fulfilling work to see someone who's worked uh, ample number of years to try to uh, figure out how to help them get the most uh, value for them. Um, you know, cause I'm, I'm laughing when you said, you know, most people don't go know their exit strategy. Uh, I'm that classic entrepreneur, opened it 22 years ago, <laughs> yeah. had great intention, great vision for what I wanted to accomplish, but never thinking that that was my initial, You know, I'm opening it to leave it no. uh, yeah. now. I completely understand yeah. it at a whole different level. So yeah. anybody listening in who is a an entrepreneur, uh, I think you have to answer that question up front.
0: Well, uh, it's, it's easier. I mean, the sooner you know, the better off you'll be. I mean, that's just basically or it changes
1: it. all your decisions, right? It, because it, wh- how I'm going to build certain processes? Am yeah. I going to create scale, recurring revenue? All the things that are going to yeah. probably on your twenty-four point. Yeah, uh, no, exactly probably. right.
0: I mean, I, I I say to people, I don't know how you make a decision without knowing what that is. How do you decide what a priority is, right? How do you decide what to invest in, you know? I mean, the assumption is that if I invest in growth, I'm investing in value, but that's turned out to be not a very good assumption.
1: What's been the most rewarding for you in yeah. a business? Is there an example of a, a business where you really helped? I and mean, give that, uh, share that.
0: I, I, one of the critical value accelerators that I identified and we make part of our process and certainly I observe is, is an impact mission And let me explain what I mean by that. I'm not talking about a bolt-on charity, although that's not a bad thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about something that's deeply embedded in the culture of the company, so that people recognize the company. Like Patagonia is the kind of company I'm talking about. You know Patagonia, what they're about is having an impact. Of course. and That's why people buy. That's why people want to work there. That's why people want to invest in that company and so forth. And so that's the goal, is to get the founders that I work with to understand that that's, that's what they're looking for. They want to build that. And here's the thing is that you can't just sort of assign one. You know, like yours is going to be water. You're going to make water for people, right? Um, there has right. to be something to it. And so one of the really uh, enjoyable parts of what I do is, um, is help people figure out what is their mission. You know, what do they really want to do? How do they want to have an impact? You know, what do they want to leave behind when they're done? And uh, and it's amazing to see when they find it, when they trigger on it. You know, th- everything about them changes. They glow. You know, their face changes. Everything mm. changes because now now they're doing something. They're really up to something. Right? Mm. And uh, yeah, then you wake
1: up with the you get.
0: totally. I mean, it's a totally different motivation. They manage their business differently. You talk to their line managers. They're like, I don't know what you did to him, but he's a completely different person you know we're we're on a mission now and it's pretty exciting and then of course at the other end when they accomplish it you know i mean the view that i have is that one of the reasons why we want to accelerate value is you know not to be greedy but to actually transform their capacity to have impact i mean the fundamental reality Man. is it's actually a biblical concept that if i have more i can do more that's it <laughs> so-
1: Man, you are speaking my language. I'm re- reflecting back, like my mission. But but you just saying it's got to be deeply embedded, yeah. Which creates the culture. But uh, you know, we we're, we've got this. I don't know if you feel this, but we're in the selfish society, right? Oh, Selfie, yeah. selfless, right?
0: Yes, yeah, big time. But
1: there is no fulfillment, and that's what the c- c- certain generations are going to learn quickly. There's no fulfillment in the selfies but there's way more fulfillment in the selfless, yeah. Where it's not about me. It's about having an impact and giving back. And I was gifted with certain skills and abilities, but I'll be the first to tell you, I didn't know that in my twenties. I had to learn that and I had to learn it the okay. hard way. I had an amazing leader tell me it's not about you.
0: Yeah. What I mentioned earlier about, you know, that's you know, the, the meditation experience I had, You know I, I began meditating when I was younger and, and carried that practice forward, just because I think it's a good, healthy practice for the mind. Um, but, you know, I was connected in a, at a different level that day. And, uh, you know, when, when I got the message, I mean, it was very much a receipt of a message. You know, uh,
1: mm. it, you know the
0: sky didn't open or anything like that, but it was very clearly... You heard it. Yeah, I heard you it. You heard it. I heard it, right? And it was very clear that you are not done. It's time for you to carry this forward for other people. And that, to mm-hmm. me, is the point that you're making right, is that I think everybody has that event in their lives. And when we're younger, typically we haven't had it yet. I mean, there are people out there that have, and, you know, sure. God bless them. But many of us just get busy doing what we were told to do or, you know, fighting for a dollar or whatever, you know, we just get wrapped up yeah. in that. And, you know, while, while most people, I think, have a deep-seated inclination, sort of a desire to, to do something in a significant way for others, um, yeah, you know, I think that the majority of people are like that. um it's usually like I don't know how or i have to I have to have this much success first, and then I'll do that, like you know, I remember saying that myself is like, well, once I have you know millions of dollars, I'll give it away you know yeah. <laughs> that, that's not how it, works. It <laughs> not how it works you know what's
1: so funny is um, you just mentioned. You were meditating and the I'm going to call it the later years and you realized, hey, I got to get back. I have a major challenge with all these amazing human beings yeah. who are ready for retirement because they've learned, they've got wisdom, and then they just go off into the sunset and they retire. And I'm like, no, 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 right. you can't retire. Yeah. You have accumulated this enormous amount of wisdom to cheer back the future generations. So I'm so glad that you're doing that today. Yeah. um and, and the manner in which you're doing and how you've dedicated it to, to entrepreneurs like me and uh, uh entrepreneurs around the world so in your 24 points because yeah. I haven't gone through it yet yeah yeah you heard me yeah. say yet right yeah. uh the 24 points uh impact missions huge by the way I yeah. believe that is one of your 24 can you get, share a few more if uh, for any business owners listening in
0: um yeah well it's, i mean so it it's sort of organized there's there's eighteen drivers and six accelerators and and you know the the drivers are really more about alleviating uh constraint you know the idea is that we all have formed our businesses uh usually around a set of personal skills uh or aptitudes or those of people that we've got on our team and so those tend to be things that that aren't uh, full of gaps. And then there's areas that, you know, we're not particularly skilled at, or we don't have the right people on board for, and that creates sort of value gaps. So, you know, that's, that set of drivers is really about understanding, you know, where are the gaps, let's fill them in. Right. And so these are things like, one of the biggest ones we run across all the time is a lack of deep knowledge about your market. You know, like mm. you say to somebody, you know, what's the size of your market? Well, it's big? everybody wants what we want you know that's like the kiss of death right well not everybody wants what you want okay (laughs) what you have right so um so there's that bit of it uh and really when we take people through that part of the process we're helping we're introducing them to a concept of of market understanding that they've never had before right so that's Mm -hmm. that's one driver jumping to the accelerators obviously impact mission is an accelerator so these things are about how to move more value into the business. So it's not just about relieving constraints and realizing value gain by eliminating the things that are constraining your value. This is about creating new value, right? And these are the things that are really impactful. This is where the big acceleration occurs. The drivers, you know, moves the needle a little, the accelerators move the needle a lot, right? And so these are things like impact mission, data strategies, people often ignore the value of the data they're gathering. Other things like social intelligence. So this is, it gets confused sometimes with social media. It's really not social media. It's, it's how do you use the social engagement that you have with your business in an intelligent way? How do you use that to, to actually drive the decisions of your business, right? To give you an example of one, we had a client some years ago. They were an Amazon seller. They sold uh, seat, protective seat covers for your car. And they focused on the the dog owner was their vertical. I mean, the seat cover is good to protect for for anything, but they just, you know, picked the market for dogs. And uh, the interesting thing about their product was it was almost twice as much money as everybody else's. Uh, But they were the number one seller. They sold more than anybody else. So, you know, it was one of those cases where the most expensive product outsold all the other products, which was sort of interesting (laughs) because just the seat cover, right? And uh, what right. we found out though was that back in those days, uh, Amazon's store, you could uh, interact with the people who left product reviews. So someone would leave a five-star review, and instead of just thinking, "Hey, great, we got another five-star review," they had five thousand of those, by the way. But instead of just you know being thrilled about that, they would respond and say, "Hey, thanks for the great review. What kind of dog do you have?" And they person we're hmm. right back. Oh, we have Doberman Pinchers. Ah, we love Doberman Pinchers. So you got German shepherds ourselves and, uh, and they'd get these deep conversations going in this, in the product review section that was worth two points. That's 200% value gain just because of that. Wow. Right. Because they had wow. intelligence about their market because those people that were commenting with, they'd say, oh, you know, can you think of anything else that you need from us? Hey, it'd be great if you had something to cover the side panel of my door, you know, because my dog jumps up on the window all the time getting claw marks in my door. So they invented a side panel. Another person said, that dog's always jumping into the front seat. Can you have something? To-? So they made a hammock style, right? So they got product ideas, and product innovations that way, right? And then they started doing community things where they'd go to an area like Atlanta and they'd meet up at a park and have, you know, two hundred and fifty canine four canine owners show up at the park, (laughs) you know, know? really. So that's social intelligence. Right. So that's a a huge accelerator of value, as I pointed out. The data strategies Mm -hmm. I mentioned, um, impact mission I mentioned. uh, So, you know, those are the big ones. Culture, activated culture. What this is about is sort of building on this notion of being aligned around the mission, but it's activating that culturally inside the company, uh, so that you know gotcha. it becomes a brand identity. You know, and people sure. that work there are proud of working there because of the brand identity. You know, and mm. that's a huge driver, and a huge accelerator value for a whole number of reasons. Some of them outside, some of them inside. The bottom line is, if you have an organization of people who are excited about being part of what you're doing that buys you an awful lot of goodwill. People are going to stick around a long time. They're going to maybe take a little less pay when you have a tightening of the budget and know that you're going to take care of them at the other end when you have plenty of budget, you know, that kind of relationship. And you don't, you know, I don't need to tell you, the cost of recruiting is really high. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. so really if, high. If you can keep people, keep them, right? So,
1: See how big a play is uh, the leadership skills among your 24 points? And what attributes do you think, based on now that you've advised countless companies <laughs> and helped them go to market, uh, what, maybe sort of narrow it down, how big is it? How important is it? and what are the top attributes of the most successful ones?
0: Yeah, that's um, sort of a setup. Um, it's important, obviously. Um, you know, there needs to be, a clear, uh, leadership that, you know, we just talked a little bit about it, creating an activated culture. It's, it starts with the leader, right? So the leader's values establish the, tra- the value trajectory of the company. So, you know, if, if the, if the leader has deep seated, uh, excellent core values, work values, you know, um, relationship values, uh, you know, you name it, then those are going to be imbued within the company. And it's, it's a natural thing. They don't have to work at it. It's just what happens, right? Your company becomes a reflection of you as the leader. That's a fact. Uh, if you're a bad person, you're going to build a bad company. That's a fact, <laughs> right? Um, if you're a good person, you're going to build a good company, right? If you're a great person, you're going to build a great company. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? So the person in leadership, there are skills. Yes, of course, but even equally, if not more importantly, it's, you know, well, who is the person? I mean, what are their qualities? You know, um, how, what are they doing to cultivate those qualities, to grow themselves as a leader? You know, the number one uh, time uh, uh, occupation, I think, for the guy at the top is you got to work 80% of the time on yourself. You work on yourself, everything else will fall into place. You don't need to worry about all those other people. They are they're, they already know what they're doing. That's why you hired them. Right? You don't need to tell them right. what you're doing. Your job is to get stuff out of the way. Let them do what they do. Okay? Right?
1: Sure. Sure.
0: When I see a, a dominant leader, you know, sort of uh, hovering over his people or, you know, checking or, you know, worse yet, uh, dominating his people, you know, that's a conversation we have to have right away because that's got to stop. I mean, and if, mm. if a guy won't stop, then I can't work with him, right? It's just simple as that.
1: Have you seen some uncoachable leaders in your time? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No question about it. As a matter of fact, uh, and I usually fire them, you know, I mean, pretty quickly. I, I give them a lot of effort. I give them a lot of uh, coaching and feedback and mentoring and help them. Mm. I give them tools and uh, books and tapes and methods and, and those that take it on. Uh, will usually come back to me and go wow you know I really appreciate you 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 grew me as a person and now I'm much Mm. better at what I did my company is actually better than I thought it would be and and that's a great thing and that's a win but there are times when that doesn't happen when they just say no I you know it's my way or the highway and you know I'm paying you you do what I say and and I'll say well I'll tell you that doesn't work that way for me so carry on you know here's your money I'm done
1: Well, i'd love your opinion steve on where we're headed as a as, a, as the world with machine uh-huh. learning and ai yeah. how prepared do you think leaders are to adapt to the new um era that's in front of us where they may be managing more pe- machines than people
0: yeah you know i you know you know that some of my companies are heavily into ai so i i have sort of a bifurcated vision of this and in, in uh I went to a, a conference recently, KPMG did a big AI conference in Salt Lake City uh, several months back and I attended that and all the, the top bangs were of the AI world were there. And um, you know, I heard a common theme repeated every time anybody spoke, whether it was on the stage or just standing around in the lobby, you know, how great AI was and how scary it is, right? And you know, and that's mm-hmm. those things seem to be going traveling together. Um, and part of it is that we haven't matured as a consuming population, uh, commercially or uh, not. We haven't matured enough, and our I'll call it sort of the moral fabric is tattered enough that that's why it feels so scary, right? I mean, we just know that if somebody can get away with something with an AI, they're gonna to try to get away with it. And and it's intuitively obvious that AI gives people a lot of power very quickly. And, and we intuit, I think accurately as humans, that that's not a good thing. That, that gets abused very quickly. Much more quickly than it used to. Not so much in my day, but in my father's day or his father's day even. It took a long time for people to turn rotten. Now they turn rotten pretty quick. <laughs> But, you know
1: it's interesting because we deal with leaders on a regular basis, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, since we teach leadership and I'm going uh, my position right now is very few are prepared for the future and what it's going to look like.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably a true statement. Um, and I think that it's there is a responsibility in industry to fill some gaps here. So um, so for instance, one of the biggest areas that is really quite acute in, in our world because of one of our companies, is um content ownership right and authorship so you know somebody creates something whether it's a blog post or a video or an audio or whatever digested by an ai uh recreated regenerated with a different author a different picture a different voice uh different language even right and remarketed and now you no longer own that that's now somebody else's property and my point is that that is a structural problem with the market and with the technology foundation. That's not a, there's no way around that problem until you address those structural issues. And so we see a lot of companies, one of the companies in my portfolio is focused very heavily on dealing with that structural issue, uh, utilizing other technologies. So there you would have a control of the content ownership. You'd have a mechanism to say this is real content from this person. Really, this is not over here. So, you know, you Mm -hmm. now will push that discernment into the market where it belongs. So I I do think there are going to be a lot of problems. Um, But I also think that we have um, really, really smart innovators in the generations that are coming. Uh, And I think that they see these things and can innovate solutions at a pace and at a capacity far beyond what we did in my generation. So um, I think they go together. So I'm not really a doomsdayer. I don't think we're like bound for catastrophe. I don't think we're gonna see the Terminator or anything like that. Um, But I do think that there are gonna be some trouble, some problems and there's gonna be some trouble and we're gonna need to be able to react very quickly. I think the legal system is not nearly sufficiently prepared to deal with the complexities that are going to emerge. And I think leadership is really the key. And so, to your point, I think that you got to be a really fast learner. you got to, you know, suck it up all the time. You you know, I read and read and listen and listen and read and read, and when I'm done with that, I listen and read some more. Because you have to know what's going on in order to make the decisions that you're going to have to make. And, you know, people that aren't really paying attention um, are going to get blindsided and they're going to get hurt badly, right? So...
1: Well, I think the fear comes in the lack of knowledge, right? So that's where I'm finding is there's very few leaders today that are astute enough, and I'm saying astute maybe isn't right, maybe it's not the right word, but
0: well, I think it is. I have
1: not dedicated they haven't dedicated themselves to learn what the right. future is going to look like, and there's so much opportunity. And so I, instead of saying scary, it should look at it as a instead of being in fear, it's look at it as opportunity to advance your outcomes at a level you can't even fathom
0: that's exactly and
1: there's going to be countless jobs that are going to be gone for sure the ones that will win will be the innovators the creators um, and those that know how to lead because if you're just doing some simple task you will be replaced over time so i think there's an opportunity for our entire education system to be changed Uh, we don't teach the kids how to be creative we don't teach them how to be innovative (laughs) We put them in a box and have them yes, no questions yeah. as opposed to possibility questions. Anyway, I could go on. Yeah, on.
0: no, no. So you get, I mean, we, can go, we can do another. We can do a whole show series on the educational system. So.
1: <laughs> uh, listen, I've got, we might talk offline about uh, my, my, where's my heart, and I'm watching the children being dumbed down as opposed to built up. And, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, we we got to radically change that as well. So with that, let's end with um, a, a question I love. It's one of my favorite questions. And by the way, I'll do two questions. One is, who's the ideal client for you that you help on a regular basis? So if they're listening in, go on, I want to call Steve. So why would they want to call you and uh, who are they?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I'll end with my favorite last
0: question. Oh, okay. I got to do them one at a time. From a business perspective, remember, I, I sort of see the thing in two, two sections. But from a business perspective, we're talking to, uh, to clients that are, you know, the large end of small and the small end of middle market. Right. So, you know, that size business um, that uh, understand that there are value dynamics that they don't fully appreciate or realize and might have an inclination of selling their business sometime in the future. They've come to the realization that, you know, I like to say it this way, you know, whether whether you sell it, whether you take it public, whether you give it to your kids or whether you keel over dead at your desk, you're going to have an exit and you want the thing to be worth something at the exit point. <laughs> so Right. Okay, I love that. All right. Um, so th- those are the people that we look for on a professional basis, and within that world, um, we prefer, and we we have we filter for this. We prefer to work with people who are generative leaders, who are fast learners, who who want to, to sort of move ahead and do something bigger than what they're doing now. So it's not the end of something; it's the beginning of something new. So I mean, that's more of a of a personal aspect, but that's what we layer in on top of the, of the market side. Now, at the same time, we have a, a capital fund and we, this sort of approaches the problem from the other end. So you can imagine that on one hand you have people who want to drive value in a business and will be interested in, in zero limits ventures for the reason, for that reason they want to accelerate the value of the business and sell it or not sell it or whatever. Um, and so that's, that's one sort of thread. The other thread are companies, Uh, that are, in my world, impact companies, so these would be, for me, it would be companies that are in the enviro space or humanitarian space, or I'm particularly uh, interested in female-founded companies that are in uh, those spaces, Um, and, you know, that are looking for capital. And so what we have is a really interesting strategy for them, which is, well, we have the capital, we're willing to provide the capital as an investor, but the provision that we place on the capital is you have to execute a valuation growth strategy. So you have to understand the value dynamics of what you're building. So we're not just capitalizing the business, we're also putting the business on a rapid value growth trajectory. You don't have to exit the business if you don't want to, we just wanna make sure that the investments we're making are being maximized uh, and we know that our process does that. So that's sort of the two populations of people that we serve.
1: Excellent, all right, I'll end with my final question. Um, when you think about somebody has created Steve little right, mom and dad, but or somebody that's been the most influential to you in your life. Mm-hmm. Who is it? And, uh, what did you walk away with?
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I could, I can give you a bunch of answers. Um, I think the one that probably is the most relevant to, to this conversation is, um, uh, I'll just cheat and call him and say my dad, but um, it, that, that needs a little bit of explanation. My dad and I weren't very close. Um, I mean, it wasn't, nobody did anything wrong. We just didn't grow up close. That's all. You know, I mean, I don't have, he doesn't resent it. I don't resent it. It's just the way we grew up together. Okay. <laughs> but he did tell me one thing, and it's something that I use. I just use it just the other day, as a matter of fact. Uh, I asked him, you know, how I find out about a certain thing, and he said, "Well, I don't really know in your world, but I know in my world that if I want to know about something, I go find the person who does it better than anybody else, and I ask him. And what I found is the person who really knows will have no problem answering it. I use that every day. I think so. So in terms of impact on my life, I would have to say, tip from my dad." something i use every day and i've been doing this a long time so i'm going to give him that seat for that reason now there's other people who've had a big influence i had an opportunity to work directly with jack welch years ago that was very impactful i learned an awful lot mm-hmm. you know so I've, I've been blessed with a lot of great mentorship and, and leadership but i also seek it out so it's you know i i okay, want so jack
1: learn. Welch is one of my heroes yeah. so jack welch is one of my heroes so i've got to ask you and then we'll, we'll close it out What's the, you said you learned a lot from him. What's the one thing you learned from him that was really powerful?
0: (laughs) Act, don't react.
1: Act, don't react.
0: Right. Part of the problem leaders have is the tendency to react. The problem occurs, whatever it is, internal, external, market, whatever. They don't stop and think through the implications of the actions they're about to take. Instead, they react and they create a mm. whole new nest of problems by reacting. So that piece of advice is a pure gold, is if you pure gold. are really entangled in something, if you have a market issue, you have a customer issue, you have, you know, an internal issue, a personnel issue, you know, don't react. Stop yourself, think through, gather information. You know, understand what's going on, really, right? I mean, how many times have we been in a situation? You know, the guy in the highway, right? He cuts you off in the highway, and your reaction is, "Son of a gun!" You know, that's a reaction. Right. But but what you don't know is that maybe he's racing to the hospital because his wife just got you know admitted, or or maybe his kid got you know hit by a car, or you know, you don't know. Yeah. so you react I, I, a sales guy working for me years ago went yeah. on a sales call you'll appreciate this and uh, <laughs> you know he was he was on his way in to see a client an important client you know closing the end of a month end of a quarter all the pressure and you know what that's like there's a lot of pressure on a salesman at that time and sure. he's running into the building and the guy he's going to see is running out the building through a revolving door so as he goes by he says hey John, I'm just coming to see you how's it going The guy says, oh, you know, I'm on my way to the hospital. My wife just uh, had a car accident. You know, we're going to have to reschedule. Not thinking, reacting, he says, oh, that's great. I'll follow up with your secretary and reschedule. (laughs) (laughs) That was the last time that salesman ever saw the customer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Right? Wow. Act, don't react. Don't (laughs) react. That's right.
1: Well, let's end it on that. I got to tell you, I could talk to you for hours because we're equally yoked, whether you know it or not. And what a blessing, man! The wealth of knowledge you have about helping businesses are, you know, it's like the 18 drivers, the six accelerators, your your points, your 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 process to help businesses uh, get the most value. As um, anybody listening in, highly recommend Steve. And I say that because of countless other people who told me about Steve. That's why I invited him to to and to interview him today because he is such a wealth of knowledge. But I uh, appreciate you recognizing your dad and Jack Welch as well. Uh, but I would love to continue this conversation because um, I think we might be, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the education system and what we can do about it. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I've always said if you're not solving the problem, you are the you problem. You are
0: the problem. No, it's, that's a fact. That's right. absolutely So fact. you're not
1: allowed to complain. And you're allowed to rain on whatever that problem right. is to go fix it. That's so, right. Uh, that's if we great. all took responsibility and owned it, we wouldn't be where we are that's today. That's
0: exactly so. right. Exactly right. hey look thank Thank you so much for your time this has been tremendously fun and and i appreciate the work you guys are doing a great deal and uh, i've enjoyed Mm -hmm. getting to know you and and know your husband and and i look forward to you know many many years of, of collaboration